Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. This program is brought to you by Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and for the next half hour, I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will help you expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. So many are tired of trying harder to live the Christian life. I've got great news for you. You can stop trying. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hello and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. I'm so glad you tuned in again. I'm so thrilled to hear that some of you have called and emailed and said that you're listening and enjoying the show, both locally here in Kitchener-Waterloo on the local radio station. Thank you for that. Uh, And also online. It's nice to hear from folks uh, from different countries that are actually listening. We have many folks in the States and across the country of Canada. Uh, We have people in Mexico listening, in Europe, Norway. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. Who would have thought a little tiny little place like like this here in Ontario, Hope Fellowship and Still Growing in Grace kind of radio show can have an impact around the world. But anyway, we are on and keeping going here on a great topic. We're going through a series now called Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness. Uh, the last number of weeks, we've talked about several uh, details of what forgiveness is. First, we, we started talking about Understanding what the word means, the defining of it. And uh, it actually took two programs to talk through that because it means much more than just a static dictionary definition. Then we talked about the source of forgiveness, a much closer, more intimate look at who Jesus really is and why it matters to see him that in depth. Uh, Then we talked about uh, a case, and I think that took two or three weeks. We talked through uh, some facts that you and I are completely forgiven already. And if you can't see it in the scriptures, uh, it means you haven't looked. You're not looking for it. And so the last number of weeks, we covered that really well. Today, we're going to dig into a very, very important topic because, uh, well, the topic is, why do we need to forgive? Why is this so important? I think you're going to be surprised when you hear some of the uh, responses uh, and some of the content for this particular part of this series. I never really thought it was all that important growing up. I know the Bible says to forgive because God says so. So I did my dutiful forgiveness, and I'll tell you my story a little later today. I hope I can do that today. But I did my duty of forgiveness. I did the act. I said the words. But I have a hunch my heart was not in it. I was doing it out of duty, not from a place of authentic wanting to. And I'll explain that. And if you feel already that you know people in your life you can't forgive and you won't forgive, there's hope. This is going to be great news for you because it isn't as scary as you thought. There's a way to walk through and navigate and understand what forgiveness is so that you yourself can be free. Never mind worrying about how it's going to affect the other people right now. But for your soul, your heart, your mind, uh, there's some great news. Lewis Smeeds, an author and teacher, wrote this about forgiveness. When you forgive someone, you are dancing to the rhythm of the divine heartbeat. 
God invented forgiveness as the only way to keep his romance with the human race alive. Wow, that was a great quote. Maybe I'll post it on our on our Facebook page uh, for you all to see. We do uh, teach this program on YouTube. It's uh, the videos are uploaded there. It's also on a podcast, so you can actually go and and rewatch and and remember and hear again what you thought you heard and have it confirmed. So when I'm talking about forgiveness, what kind of forgiveness could I be referring to? I promise you that it's not just a flippant, casual forgiveness. Oh, am I talking about the gut-wrenching, deep, deep stuff? Well, yeah, we are. What, again, forgiveness is a big issue, and it works in our lives. And even for those what I would call flippant or really, really light, light forgiveness issues, even those, if left unchecked, can begin to build into a much bigger uh, bitterness that will become a contamination in you. Someone we love, let's say this happens, someone we love and committed that we've committed our lives to says, I don't love you anymore. I want a divorce. Is this the kind of forgiveness we're talking about? This is the kind of depth I'm going to be getting into. This is how serious this is. Or what about a drunk driver? who hits your car and you can't ever walk again, or kills your child, or causes an an irreversible injury. This is a big topic, and it cannot be treated as a flippant, God says, forgive, you must forgive. This series is going to give you hope to be able to, and steps, to be able to walk through this in grace, find personal hope, personal healing in this process. And again, I'm not coming at this from a not knowing uh, or not having experienced some deep pain. I've got my own to share, and I'll share that with you shortly. What if the home you lived in had a parent who was unpleasable and you could never measure up to? Yeah, there's a lot of people who have issues with mom and dad, uh, either a mom or a dad. It's not just the dad, as it's definitely a mom too. I, I'm my story is part of that. You'll you'll hear about that shortly. What if someone kidnapped and murdered someone you love very deeply? Where does forgiveness come into play here? Is there a way to forgive and walk in freedom? Yes, there is. It does not mean the person gets off scot-free. It does not mean you're required to be in connection with them again and experience reconciliation. That does that is not what forgiveness means. Reconciliation and forgiveness are two separate things. But I bet you forgiveness, or sorry, reconciliation can't happen without forgiveness happening first. But again, we're covering that. This is going to be a critically important series. What about the person who takes the trust you've given them and betrays that trust horrifically? What if you're in a ministry, let's say, or in a job, and uh, you've put so much trust in somebody, and suddenly they they um, blindside you with a, an accusation or a rant, and suddenly the the relationships are severed, and you're you're sitting there in a tornado of what just happened. Is there a way to forgive? Yes, there is. What if someone lies about you and tries to destroy your reputation? There is room for that. There is hope for that. What about when you were a little boy or girl and had someone sexually molest you? Is there hope for that? As one who's experienced it, I say yes, there is. There is much hope. Have you said or do you say today that you can't or won't forgive? Have those words come off your lips or have penetrated your thought process? Well, 
the I that says I can't forgive, can't. Yes, you heard that right. So if you say I can't forgive, that individual that you're calling I, that one cannot forgive. And that's not a voice to be trusted. What if the other voice, your real voice, and is the I that can forgive? What about my true identity, my union with Christ? I believe that is where we begin to find hope. And again, if you've been listening to this program for any length of time, you are going to hear all the time the importance of union, oneness. We're co-joined with Christ, co-crucified, co-raised. We are one. We're not individual separate beings. We are united with Christ. And it is that union voice that speaks and says, I can. So if your lips are saying, I cannot forgive, or I refuse, there's no way I will ever ever refuse or I will ever forgive that person, that's not the real you speaking. That is the pain speaking. So there is hope. I promise you. I grew up, and all of us do, we grew up with certain life messages, messages that impact our lives, uh, messages that speak to our identity, messages that speak to even our residential identity. When I refer to the term residential identity, I'm stealing a a slogan from Ralph Harris, who uh, wrote a number of books. Uh, God's Astounding Opinion of You is one of them. Um, And in there, he's talking about uh, the airplane uh, co-seat. Somebody sits down in an airplane or on a bus or on a train uh, or in a taxi. So, So what do you do? And you tell them what you do, your activities, how you function in life, how you've based a relational world-lensed identity. And that's called a residential identity. It isn't the real you. The real you is your union with Christ. But we've had many people speak to us growing up. I'll give you some examples. I grew up in a in a home where uh, it was very harsh. I had a mother who screamed at us. She was violent towards us. Um, I can say all this today because both my mother and father have passed away. In fact, uh, my father passed away two years ago and my mother uh, four years before that. And so um, I can, with more boldness, communicate what's happened and not be disrespectful. These are facts that have happened. And if you continue listening to the series, you're going to hear how my journey of forgiveness has played out. I will be honest and transparent the whole way through. But I had a harsh upbringing. My mother would hit us like crazy. I would be the one that probably gets hit the most. Um uh, so that's just one part. I'll come back to my, my parents in just a few minutes. I grew up in a uh, German Baptist church right here in Kitchen Waterloo. Um, I learned a lot of great things. It was part of my formation years of discovering the Bible, who God is, some of the really, really basics of uh, Scripture, Scripture memorization, all that stuff. And most of us listening have grown up in that, um, especially if you're in this area. If you're watching this from other parts of the world, not everybody is churched like I am. But I grew up in in a church where the life messages given to me by certain people were harsh and good. I had one particular man in a youth group who was always nasty to me. And he always said, I will never amount to anything. Uh, I screw up everything. I can't do anything right. I'm uncoordinated. You can't play any sport right. Why don't you set off? Why do you even try? Just harsh, harsh, harsh. Um, then I had another uh, very, very kind man. If he, if he ever hears this, his name is Eric. Eric, Eric Hoffman. Um, he was a science school teacher at this church. He always was kind. 
even when he was mad at me, because I did get in trouble occasionally. I was a really misunderstood kid, haha. But Eric was kind. He always spoke with gentleness that my soul could hear. Even though my ears could hear a tone and a voice, there was something honest about how he spoke. Not necessarily what, how he spoke that made me listen and want to please him. There were uh, there were pastors there that uh, spoke kindness to me. Uh, Lauren Hamp was uh, uh, the first English speaking pastor at that church. He walked in with joy, with thrill. If if you've ever if you're seeing this video, he did. He has hand out like this, and he just talked about Jesus with the greatest joy in the first sermon he taught at the church. Uh, I remember even the first hymn. The very first hymn of all things was in this hymnal, and it was hymn number 111. It was, the song was called, In My Heart That Rings a Melody. And all you regular cho- church folks that uh, know your hymns, that's not a popular one, but some of you will know it. And it, it impacted me. In fact, it was he who spoke to my heart that day, which I believe has caused um, a domino effect in my whole life to be where I am. At the end of the service, he came to me, knelt down and said, hi, fella, and kind of stroked my hair. How you doing, buddy? Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I looked at him with the most serious passion in my heart. I said, I want to be a pastor just like you, because he was inspiring. He, he caused us to dream. He was full of joy, and I hadn't seen it like that. I didn't see the passion of Christ come out of anybody as a leader before then like that. Maybe it was just timing, and my, my lens wasn't quite ready to receive it until that moment. But he played a major role in my life, and I want to thank him today for his influence. When I come back, I'm going to share some more life messages I've received. Some of you will recognize the same messages in your life, but uh, we're going to walk through the whole healing journey and how this works. Martin Small Engines and Auto Clinic in Elmira is more than small engines. Like their name says, Martin's is also a full-service auto clinic focused on automotive repair and service, brakes, tires, local lockout service, and so much more. Whatever you need, Martin's can do it. For that small-town feel with large shop quality, trust a team that really cares. Martin's Small Engines and Auto Clinic, Industrial Drive Elmira and martinselmira.com. Looking for a real estate agent that will put your needs before his? Terry Van Lent is just that agent. Caring and honest are just two of Terry's best qualities, and they shine through in his real estate career. As a longtime resident of Waterloo Region, Terry is well acquainted with the area and its multitude of attractive amenities. For an agent that cares, call Terry Van Lent at Coldwell Banker Peter Benninger Realty, 519-742-5800, extension 2060. Thanks for taking time to listen to our sponsors who make this show possible. I am deeply grateful for each one because it does cost money to put this on the air. And uh, thank you for those uh, partners who are making it possible. So back to life messages. Why do we need to forgive? Well, if you're like me, you've received life messages from different people and not all of them have been positive and they build into you. They layer, they help shape who you believe you think you are. And I just finished talking about a great pastor who influenced my life as a kid. Um, then there was a, a in, in public school, I was one of those kids who always got in trouble, was misunderstood, got in trouble for never doing homework. My teachers even sent this little black book called a homework book home. The teacher had to date it, say what the homework is, and my parents had to sign it and had to come back. It was, it was, it was that difficult for me. 
I believe I had ADHD back then, but nobody invented that back then. And so I had a hard time focusing. My home life was difficult. I always lived in fear there. So teachers gave me really tough uh, experiences. There were some really good teachers too, who spoke really, really well. I remember Miss McGilvery was a fantastic, kind teacher to me. Uh, Mr. Blackwell was phenomenal. Mrs. Crandall, who just retired, I found out, uh, she was a very encouraging teacher and was kind to me. We remember these teachers. In high school, I had trouble. Uh, I skipped classes. I always said I had the spiritual gift of truancy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was terrible. But the life messages I received were so deeply rooted, I didn't know how it began to shape me. In my home that I grew up in, I lived in a home of fear. Everybody thought my mother was the nicest lady in the world, and she was not. She was very harsh in our home. Uh, She played a game when she was in public. She played the sweet old lady or sweet lady, innocent and very manipulative. And uh, growing up, it was hard. I got uh, in so much trouble from her that uh, when I started doing a newspaper route, I was thrilled to get out of the house. I participated in plays at school and choirs, anything to not have to be home. Uh, This is my world. Now, I did recently, I spoke to my one brother about this, uh, my brother, John, and And he does not remember that harshness and that uh, life of me being picked on. Mind you, he wasn't home as much. He was doing the sports and doing well. He got accolades. He was like the favorite son in some weird way. Um, But this this is my world of how I was shaped. As I was delivering newspapers, and if you live in uh, in Ontario at all, uh, back in the day, the newspaper carriers had to go door to door to collect a monthly fee for the subscription for the newspaper. Well, on my route, I happened to be delivering to a local Catholic church. And uh, please hear this carefully. This is not a bash against the Catholic church at all. It was through this visit, through this constant Um, exposure to this particular priest. Um, A priest befriended me. He was a German priest. He came in. He was from the Palatine Fathers and was sent here to uh, help shepherd churches in Ontario, in local uh, Waterloo. And uh, for three years, this man sexually abused me right in the office, in the doorway. He took me on retreats. Um, I hated it. But again, after much counseling over the last number of years, I found out he was almost a good guy compared to the hurt my mom was inflicting on me. Um, I had such disdain and hatred for my mother that anything is better than being part of that. Well, I've had much healing since then. So when I was about 14, I started high school. Uh, and right across the street, Blueville Collegiate, there was a, um, th- that was where the church was. And so my first day of high school, um, I had just severed the relationship with the priest. I quit my paper out. I wanted nothing to do with this anymore. It was so real, so deep. Um, I was ashamed and just sick from all of this. I couldn't tell anybody. In fact, when I did sort of tell my parents, they were of the era where they said, well, you better stay away from him. And that was it. That's how they dealt with abuse. That was a real response. It does not mean my parents were unloving. It means they didn't have the tools in their tool bag of how to respond to this kind of stuff. 
So here I'm getting shaming messages. My mother tells me I'm not good enough and would hit me and even rub my nose physically into the carpet when I didn't clean it right, causing rug burn on my nose. Um, she would hit me with part of a garden hose over the back, the head and spanking. And if I screamed too loud, I'd get an extra whack or two. It was hard. So I was not acceptable. Later, as I realized um, growing up that what, what message did my father give me? He was always kind. He was very gentle. Everybody loved him. I loved him. But he didn't protect me. He didn't look out for me. And maybe I wasn't good enough to be looked out for. I don't know. Uh, poor guy. Uh, he had to deal with a lot too. So no bitterness towards him. Just the fact as I realized and processed all the messages my siblings, we each received different messages from our siblings. Um, uh, some were a little more harsh, and I want to be fair to them. They're, they're, we're working through stuff. Um, uh, from, the, from the church, the priest, he says, I, I'm just a piece of meat and uh, to be used and abused. That was the message. I went to school. And by the way, I didn't realize until years later why I was skipping classes, why I got kicked out of the high school. I got kicked out of two or three high schools. And then I went to this volunteer open door school and finally quit that too. And oh my goodness, I took Bible college. That's what I went to. I went to Emmanuel Bible College and there was mercy and grace that was shown me there and they allowed me in. I had to do a lot of extra courses to get my equivalency. But there was a journey. So all these life messages really impacted me and they influence our lives. Some of you may need to stop and think and take account, not to drudge up the past, but for the purpose of evaluation, really think through the life messages given you. And maybe even put them on pieces of paper all across the table or whatever you need to do, and then begin to separate them. Is this true of me, or is this just an outward opinion that is not inspired by God? You are going to find that there are a lot of messages we have still attached to us that need to be let go. Because they were never from the divine. They were never from God. It came through everybody else's own pain. This is a big deal. That's why this topic of forgiveness is critical. I did forgive the priest. I did the surface blanket forgiveness. And when I started to discover what I'm teaching you now, um, there was another layer and level of forgiveness that was poured out to the priest and to my mother. Oh, yes. I, I, I really hope I get to the part where uh, I had a revelation at her graveside, um, but I can't tell you that today. It's, it'll take too long. So today, life messages. These things influenced my life. And uh, please don't sit in your pain. There are many, I believe, that are physically ill because they have harbored and built up and kept all the life messages given to them by others. Those life messages do not reflect your true identity necessarily. Most of them are incorrect or lies, but you believe them because you've been forced to see yourself as unacceptable, not good enough, I've even been, I've had someone scream in my face for a long time, just pointing and saying, you're a nothing. You're a nothing. Over and over, you're a nothing. Yeah, uh, that hits your heart. Uh, I'm not good enough. All these Christians that in the church that were screaming at me is, I'm not good enough. Oh, come on, you can do better. I get slapped upside of the head. I get some guys pulling my ear, you know, to try and discipline me and all that stuff. Man, 
I look back now and realize they were just blind. I have forgiven. They were blind. They were acting out of their ignorance. They did not understand the incredible love of God, and they did not find better ways to discipline. They only worked with the tools in their tool bag. Folks, I'm giving you some tools in this series that will set you free. I'm giving you some tools and options that will not only set you free, but the people around you are going to be set free. I'm going to give you tools that are going to cause love, agape, to begin pouring out of you. But I'm going to warn you, there may be some pain that's going to rise to the surface. There's going to be some sludge that has to get purified out of your emotions first. It's not pleasant, but it's necessary. There is hope. There is hope for you. There's hope for me. We can find hope. We can find healing. We can heal life's hurts through understanding forgiveness better. Don't let the life messages given to you be the final answer. Go to the source of the real life messages that have been given to you. Open your ears to hear. What does Jesus say about you? After all, he created you. Why not go to the manual? Why not go to the source of your creation and see how you were designed? You were not designed for pain like this. You were not designed for shame. A little later, you're going to hear at the end of this series, we're going to walk through guilt and shame. And the definition of guilt for today's purpose, because we're almost out of time, but guilt says, I have done something wrong. Have I done stuff wrong? Yes. But there's also shame. The shame message says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I've done something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. And we can create shame even from false guilt messages. I'm going to clarify that in the, in the series before it ends, I promise. It's way too important to, to, to not address this. But I'm trying to show you there's a lot of stuff still to come that cannot be taught. It needs to be caught as we walk through this journey. So I hope you'll share this this series with others. I hope you'll come online and re-listen and walk through this healing journey with me. Join me next week as we come back to Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness and take a look again at why we need to forgive. See you next week. Mark Wilson's Better Used Cars in Guelph is not your typical used car lot. Customers who shop there get the insider treatment, especially when buying from the insider man, Rod Sider. Rod will help you select a late model car, truck, van, or SUV from their large selection of vehicles, and he'll work with your budget. Call the insider man at 519-836-2900, extension 287, or visit Mark Wilson's Better Used Cars at the corner of Whitelaw Road and Highway 24, Guelph, and ask for the the insider man. Are you looking for an encouraging church where you'll discover hope in God who truly loves and accepts you? Hope Fellowship in North Waterloo meets every Sunday at 1030 and the great coffee is only the first thing you'll appreciate. If you're looking for a safe place, a relaxed community of people who want to grow in the freedom of God's grace, welcome to Hope Fellowship, second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. Learn more at hopefellowshipycc.com and they do have that great coffee.
You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and I'd like to invite you to join me next Tuesday morning at 1130 when our teaching time will continue. Or join us at 1030 every Sunday morning at Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. If this show has been an encouragement to you, won't you help us spread this good news? Make your donation today by visiting stillgrowingingrace.ca. You can also catch up on past programs, watch YouTube videos of our talks, and download our weekly podcasts. Sign up for our email list and send in your questions. After all, no one has arrived, and we are all still growing in grace.